0: Hey, thanks for joining us for this Christmas series. My name is Josh, and I'm so glad that you've connected with us. We'd love to connect further, and I'd ask you to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card before you log off. I hope that this conversation today will encourage you during this season of your life. Thanks again for joining us. I'll see you after the talk.
1: Isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom is pleased. That's what Christmas is all about. In
0: 1965 a producer at CBS got the idea of talking to Mr. Schwartz, the Peanuts cartoonist, about creating the Christmas special. The special would become known as the Peanuts Christmas and it was the first Peanuts special that was ever written or developed or aired. About 10 weeks before they wanted to air the special on December 9th 1965, they began the process of writing and drawing and creating this special. They hired special children actors to represent the voices of Lucy and Linus and Charlie and all the famous characters that we know well today. As they put the script together they decided to include the reading of Luke 2 that you just heard. Some of the people connected to the project worried that it had too much of a Christian or spiritual emphasis and that that would cause the special along with its unique look. It kinda was not the normal standard for cartoons that were aired on television so they did a preview service just two weeks before preview viewing two weeks before this was scheduled to air and everyone agreed all the producers all the big wigs all those that were involved in the project that this would be a flop it wasn't good enough it wasn't up to par it was too spiritual well on that December day when it aired in 1965 Half, one out of every two televisions that were in the United States tuned in to the Peanuts Christmas special. Well over 15 million people watched that special. It was a smashing success. It got rave reviews from everyone across the board. All of the critics, all of the reviewers, all of the newspapers heralded the simple reminder of the importance of Christmas and its true meaning. The producers that day, the big wigs, said we will show this special every Christmas from now on and it has reached billions and billions of people as a result. Bringing glory to God in the highest, a child simply reciting the words of scripture for all to hear, man, that's an incredible thought. That for a couple weeks of work, God could take something that glorifies his name and have it last for generations multiple languages, multiple countries this yearly revisiting to the answer of the famous question asked by Charlie Brown himself as he was trying to get the pageant together can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about and his little friend Linus with his blanket comes up and goes I can tell you right and reads the story that question what is Christmas all about? Might, might be a question that you need to revisit here today. Or maybe it's a question that your friend or your neighbor or your child needs to be reminded of. As we go through this Christmas season, you have an opportunity each and every holiday season to be reminded, to remember, to be refreshed in this powerful, powerful truth about the true meaning of Christmas. And I don't want to stand here this morning and be like, Christmas is so busy, it's so hard, it's so terrible. Ah, nonsense all that stuff. The busyness of Christmas is awesome. Like, we get to hang out with family, we get to have vacation days, we get to travel. Like, what a blessing that we have. We got so much stuff. Like, I don't, I don't want to complain about the stuff here. I just want to acknowledge the fact that, my goodness, my kids get lots of presents during Christmas. Every relative, every friend, every neighbor, we are so blessed right now to be able to have this spirit in our lives, to be able to give generously, to be able to celebrate, to show our love and demonstrate. And So this this is fun, this is exciting. We get the decorating done, we get to make the, the, the campus festive, we get to hold special outreach events, and if you look, all throughout the season, you will find reminders. Everywhere you look about the true meaning of Christmas. And so here's my challenge for you this Christmas season. That you hone in in random moments through this holiday. And be reminded about the true meaning of Christmas. When you see the star atop the tree. When you see an angel in light. Everywhere you look. There is a baby in some sort of manger. (laughs) Whenever you see a gift or wrapping or a piece of tape, all of these things can point you back in that moment, even just for a second, to the true meaning of Christmas. And by the way, when you start looking for them, they're everywhere. If you've ever gone down to Disney World, there's this, this little fun thing that they've installed in the parks called hidden Mickey's. You know about these? Literally on buildings and in decorations and all over the place, there's hidden Mickeys and some of them are tiny and some of them are huge, right? And you can count and keep track of hidden Mickeys at wherever you go in Disney. It's just kind of this reminder, like, what's Disney all about? Well, it's about Mickey and getting all your money. What's Christmas all about? When you start looking around, you go, oh, there's a star, there's a star, there's a star, there's a star. Actually, somewhere in this building, there's some stars. I don't know if we coordinated this, but this is fantastic. The star and the angel are actually two of the most popular Christmas tree toppers by tradition. But do you know that before the stars and the angels were used traditionally on the top of the Christmas tree, that there was a more popular Christmas tree topper? It was the baby Jesus and for generations they put the child on top of the tree and everything, all the decorations pointed up to the child. Now we appropriately take the star and take the angels because those shine the light of onto Jesus but that's, that's kind of been a transition. Queen Victoria was kind of the first one that made the Christmas tree uber popular. She got, she got photographed decorating the tree and she had an angel on top of her tree and then everybody was off to the races since that time. But when you put the star on top of the tree with your family, or you put the angel up there this year, that's going to point us to the meaning of Christmas. And we're going to spend the next four weeks, the next four sessions, including our Christmas Eve weekend time, talking about these four symbols and where they come from in scripture and how they can be an encouragement to us throughout the season. All of this is found in Luke chapter 2 in what was read for you in the bumper. In Luke chapter 2 it says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. What comes out at night? Stars. And so tonight we're going to talk about that night and what God did with the miraculous Christmas star, the star of Bethlehem. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were filled with great fear fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. The first song that we sang actually For God So Loved is an awesome Christmas song. John 3.16 might be my favorite Christmas verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the Christmas story. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That message was brought to us by angels. So angels are an important symbol in the story of Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And it will be a sign unto you, and you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Had an awesome discussion with a friend about the swaddling clothes thing. We're going to talk about that that week. Lying in a manger. So now you have the baby. And that's, this is why there's babies everywhere. Everywhere. In all of the decorations, in all of our homes, and all of the nativity sets, and the live nativities, and out in the yards, there's just babies all over the place. Remember, imagine somebody showing up for the first time and just dropping in on Christmas and being like, "This Christmas thing's kind of cool. What's with all the babies? This is what's with the babies. Yet they're everywhere." And then it closes with this this final thought: We have the star, we have the angels, we have the babies. And then suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Gifts. Gifts. Notice that the angels gave the gift of praise to Jesus. The wise men give the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus. We've said this every year during Christmas. When you meet Jesus, your natural response is going to be worship. You're going to want to adore Him and give to Him, but when Jesus came, He gave us the ultimate gifts. How about some peace on earth and goodwill towards men? Like that's pretty fantastic stuff. I'll take a little extra peace under the Christmas tree, right? All of that comes through Jesus, the gifts that He has given us. So when we exchange gifts, we represent a powerful truth and remind ourselves of the incredible meaning of Christmas. So, I hope you'll join us this week and the next two weeks and on Christmas Eve as we unpack this together. Today, we're taking the first paragraph, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And if you're circling stuff in your Bible, you need to circle the word night because this is the night that the star appeared. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 11, I won't read it for us out loud, but you can note this in your Bible. We get the extended story of what happened with the Christmas star. That night, the night that the angels appeared to the shepherds, there was a spectacular array that the shepherds were unaware about completely. They were a little distracted by the floating angel above them, talking to them. Also in that moment, high above the angels, a star appeared. And I want you to think about a star watcher, Over in the Middle East, somewhere in modern-day Iraq and Iran, what's known as ancient Persia or Babylon, someone who studies the star on this night notices that there's been a unique celestial event. A star has appeared that wasn't there before. Whoa. How does that happen? And this star in its shape and its size and its proximity was unique above all other stars. So unique that there's a debate that rages to this day, was it actually a star? Because this star had a different purpose than every other star. This star had different movement than every other star. And this star had different light than any other star. See, the purpose of this star was simply to shine on Jesus. And the night that Jesus was born, a star moved into place or appeared or was created or designed to, to guide people to the Messiah, the king of the world, who was now present on this earth. His birth was announced by a special star. And a star that shone over a particular reason, region, the wise men sitting in Their Middle Eastern spot said, that star is over the direction of Israel. It's towards Bethlehem. And they started gathering their supplies. They started gathering their entourage. They started gathering their camels. And they said, we got to get up and leave our spot. And we have to follow that star. Has anyone seen a star that they could follow before? That's a unique moving star. And so these wise men got into into their their crew and into their mind, they talked about the unique star, they showed it to each other and they said, we're going to travel and it's going to take us weeks, it's going to take us months, it could potentially take us years to get to this spot where the star is shining. So when you sing about the three kings from the Orient who traveled so far, every line in that song is incorrect. There may have been three, but there was probably dozens. They weren't kings. They were advisors to kings. They were astrologers or watchers or wise men that that advised the rulers. They were rich. They were powerful. They did have position, so they had the wealth to be able to mobilize and to move and to go after things. And so they traveled not from the Orient, but from Persia, from Iraq to Jerusalem to find the baby. Months to years after he was born this isn't the first time that the Magi come up in scripture as a matter of fact you probably know the most famous Magi that ever existed right is a person by the name of Daniel see when Daniel was captured as a teenager and taken to ancient Babylon he rose in in fame he rose in wealth he rose in stature to become the head of the Magi And we know from the story and from the book of Daniel that Daniel taught the people the word of God. He taught them scripture. He taught them Old Testament prophecy. And the Old Testament prophesied in books like Isaiah that there would be a king, a Messiah, a king of the Jews who would be born, who would be the savior of the world, the Messiah here on earth, God on earth, God incarnate, the infinite becoming infant. And he would show up. And so back in ancient times Daniel gave this lesson to the Magi and over generations after generations after generations these Magi all were looking for the promised king of the Jews who would be introduced by a star. So that's why they gazed into the stars, that's why they studied the skies for this purpose and this night, this night, the star finally appeared generations after Daniel said it would happen and the magi were still looking for the star. So no wonder they grabbed all their stuff and ran as fast as they could to find the star, they finally made their way over to Jerusalem, they had the the confrontation or the consultation with Herod, right, the the king who tried to kill all the babies, and they made their way to Bethlehem, they found baby Jesus, they fell on their faces, they worshipped him, they showered him with gold, frankincense frankincense and myrrh, and they adored him, and they snuck away, they protected him. All because of the star that shone on Jesus. I mentioned this quote before but it's a powerful quote from the preacher in England named Charles Spurgeon and he says this, omnipotence has servants everywhere. God all powerful God has servants everywhere and if God decides that he wants to create or hire or design a star for the specific purpose of shining over baby Jesus to lead the magi connected to Daniel to Jesus, then God can have a star for that purpose and that purpose alone. God, omniscience, has his servants everywhere. And the Bible tells us that if the rocks and the trees, if, if, the, if the rocks and trees, they can clap their hands, they can celebrate who Jesus is, he, they can celebrate who God is, but the creation, the stuff in this world's main purpose is not to shine light on Jesus he has assigned that purpose he has assigned that mission to one particular special part of creation he's assigned it to you and to me Jesus would grow up and say this in Matthew chapter 5 you are the light of the world you are to let your light shine before men why so that they may see your good works that's how light is defined they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven your job is to shine brighter than the star now if you have been saved if you have understood that this baby that was born on the very first Christmas was Messiah was Christ was the Lord that he is God in flesh and that he has invited you into a personal relationship with him that you can become adopted into the family of God that you can have life more abundant and life eternal, like John three sixteen says, when you've met Jesus, when you've seen His face, when you've known His presence, when you've come to him because the light has shined on him, you can't help but say, All I have, all I am, Jesus, is yours. It's your natural reaction to seeing Jesus. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice. Which is our reasonable act of worship. If you have been transformed by God, if you have been saved by the person and the work of Jesus Christ, if your sins have been forgiven and you've given eternal life, then you have one singular purpose, and that's to shine your light on Jesus. That's what He wants you to do, that's what you've been created for, that's why you exist. That's why you breathe. That's why at the moment you got saved, he didn't say, all right, come on up to heaven. Have you ever thought about that? Most kids, when they're adopted, get to move to their new home. Right? Now, when Jesus adopted me, he left me here with the same sisters that I had before. I said, that's not fair. I had the same house. I had the same cruddy streets, I want the streets of gold, I want the mansion built for me, like give me that inheritance, I've been adopted, let's go, and he said, no, you're not done, my kids have a purpose on this planet, so you got to stay, you, you got to stay, and listen, while you're there, I'm, I'm going to give you two promises, he gave us a lot more than that, but here's two, in this world, you will, kids, have trouble. You're going to have it. There's going to be bad things that happen. Homer's wife is going to be rushed to the hospital. The girl in your son's class is going to get diagnosed with cancer. Your car is going to break down on the way back from Michigan for Thanksgiving and you're going to get stuck in nowhere's Pittsburghville where there's no rent of cars and no mechanics and you're going to make it home a full day late and have to study for the message anyway. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Oh man, I'll celebrate that this Christmas. And I promise kids that all things will work together for good. I promise kids for you that all things will work together for good So if you're sick, if you're stranded, if you're hurting, if you're stressed and you're struggling, you know, I, God, I've already got it. So you don't have to freak out. You don't have to stress out. You don't have to get upset. You don't have to have your world fall apart. I, God, have already got it. You just have to do one thing and know that it's taken care of. You shine your light and let your good works be seen before men so that they will give your glory glory to God in heaven. Your job is to shine for me. I'm going to take care of the rest. You shine. That's That's what Jesus has assigned for us to do. What a privilege to be someone on this planet that has unique purpose, that has unique movement, and that has unique light where we can give our lives for the purpose of Jesus, where we can move how Jesus tells us to move, and then we can shine our lights on Christ with every word, with every breath, and with every day. That's what we get to do as followers of Jesus. That's what makes us different, even weird. Now, the Apostle Paul, who arguably was one of the greatest lights for Jesus that the world has ever known, Said, said this in Philippians chapter 2, you are to shine as lights, some translations say stars, in this world. You are supposed to shine as stars in the universe. This, this is why Paul existed. Now Paul was a guy who was going around trying to kill Christians. He was trying to destroy the church and he became one of the greatest builders the church has ever known. He's planted churches all over the place in every city that he went to. He saw more people come to Christ from persecutor to preacher, right, from church killer to church builder. This is Paul and he wrote for us most of the New Testament. He says, listen, I exist to shine as a star in this universe for Jesus. And Paul's life was stinking hard. Paul did not have comfort like we have comfort. Paul did not have wealth like we have wealth. Paul did not have family like we have family. Paul did not have good looks like I have good looks. He was made fun of for his baldness. Paul had had shipwrecks. Paul had long hard journeys that he went through. Paul had relationship problems with friends. Paul had physical problems, a thorn in the flesh that he was constantly battled. Some may say even emotional and distress problems that he went through in his life. Like all of us do, Paul was put in jail over and over and over again. He was persecuted for his faith, he was separated from his culture, from his community, he was put in chains, he was put in house arrest, he was, he was constantly suffering for Jesus. Constantly suffering in this life. Yet, he said, you are to shine like stars in this world. So. As we think about today, our opportunity that we have during this Christmas season to shine like don't waste December 2022, right? Let's have December 2022 be the best December yet for shining for Jesus. In your home, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your classroom, let's shine for Jesus. When you're trying to get that buck out with the bow and arrow and you're taking him down, let's take him down for Jesus, right? When you're out there buying a new car, because you have to buy a new car now, Buy a new car for Jesus, like we're going to get going and we're going to move for Jesus in December 22. If I buy an angel tree gift, I'm buying it for Jesus and I'm giving it to a kid in Jesus' name. If I'm filling a food box, I'm filling it for Jesus in Jesus' name. If I'm decorating my house, I'm decorating for Jesus. I'm going to shine to my neighbors. I'm going to, sh- right? Let's do that. You're gonna sitting there going, I'm in. All right, I'm ready. December 2022. Best yet. We're going to shine for Jesus. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get overwhelmed. I'm going to let it happen. How do I do that? <laughs> Like, alright, like, how do I do that? Literally got four weeks, how are we going to do it? Here, here's how you're going to do it, right? We're, we're, we're going to do what Christians who do for Jesus every day. Christians who shine do some very simple daily things. And let me show you these things out of Philippians chapter 2. And while you're turning there, so take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me, let me just give you this caution. Don't make the mistake of confusing church people with Christian people. I didn't say this is what church people do every day. Church people and Christian people are not the same. Just because someone goes to church doesn't make them a Christian. But when someone is a Christian, is a follower of Jesus, they've had their heart transformed by Jesus, they become the church. But church people and Christian people are often confused. We want to be Christian people. We want to be people that have been transformed by Jesus. This is what Christians who shine for Jesus do every day and it's found in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, the first part of the paragraph in a couple weeks. So I'm going to read it for you but we're not going to unpack it. We're going to unpack that in two weeks so don't miss it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, and being full of the same accord, having one mind. That's a fantastic verse. I can't wait to talk about it later. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but humbly count others more significant than yourselves. That's that's a life changer right there. For let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is also yours in Christ Jesus. Here's Christmas. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. That's obedience. I can't get my kids to walk the dog. God said to Jesus, you're going to be born on earth as a baby. That's no fun. Where all the trouble is, you're going to take on the sins of the world. They're going to be forgiven through your horrible death. And he said, okay. Therefore, verse 9. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore this is what we're going to talk about today, my loved children. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked generation among whom you shine as stars in the universe. In other words, if you do this... You're going to look different. You're going to stand out. You're going to be unique. You're going to be light in darkness, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may, so that, excuse me, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice in me so if you got to write fast here's five things that people who shine for Jesus do every day first they do good work they do good work in Philippians chapter 12 uh, 2 12 and 13 it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you both to will and to work your good pleasure you don't have to work for salvation When God saves you, when God saved you, when you come to that point where you knew you were a sinner and you needed Jesus to save you, God does the work of transformation inside of you. He he brings new life and new birth. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit who now lives within you. But it is possible that you can be saved but not look like it. You can be a Christian, you can be someone who knows Jesus but still walk and be pulled towards the world what he is saying is you now have to work out what God has worked in you now have to do the work of bettering yourself in the name of Jesus and you can't do this without the Holy Spirit but it's something you've got to do every day you do good work we say hey I'm gonna whatever my hands find to do I'm gonna do them hardly as under the Lord so if you're going to school tomorrow kids right how many are going how many are excited about going to school tomorrow super exciting right so can't wait got math and history and lunchroom drama It's gonna be awesome now here's what you need to do Christian teenager Christian elementary kid do good work tomorrow do good work for your teacher work hard at the spelling test, and 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 do, be a good friend to your your seatmate at the table. Share what you have with other people. Do good at home with your parents when they say take the dog out, and you take the dog out, and be excited about it, right? Like joyfully, that'd be nice. Do do good work for your employer. Do do good work when you're prepping the meal for your kids. You got you just. Do good at whatever it is you're doing. Today it's actually really hard to find people that are committed to doing good work. Most people are trying to get done with work as soon as possible so they can get comfortable and be entertained. And it's getting harder and harder to find people that are willing to put in the overtime and willing to put in the effort to say, I'm going to commit myself to this job and I'm going to be the best employee you ever had. I'm going to be the best spouse that I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best pet owner in the world. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to do good at these things. And, and if, I, if I commit myself to doing good work, not, not just wasting it away on scrolling through the internet or leveling up on the video game. My wife's like, preach! Or going through, uh, going through all of those uh, tabloids and gossip channels and having those conversations that don't... No, no, no. Let's, do the, let's do the good work around us with the assignments God has given us and the opportunities that we have to bless others. And this is something that you're going to have to work out. You want to get a little bit better at it every day. I heard this illustration about physically working out and, and the person who said it, it's not original with me, I'd credit him right now, I just can't remember his name, went through the story and he said, listen, when you, when you go to the gym and you work out and, and you come home for the first time, you're you're not, not going to notice any difference. And you're going to go back the next day and the next day and you keep working out and you're still you're you're not going to notice anything. But if you do the work consistently over time at some point in your journey you're going to realize something's changed. That you've gotten into shape. That you are stronger, that you are thinner, that you are more capable than you were. And when you do the work, when you start working out consistently over time, although you might not see it right away, you will make progress and it will be transformational. And then you get these before and after photos that are unbelievable. This is the same idea that God has for us with our salvation, with our Christian light, with the way that we shine. You've got to work it out. And so be consistent every day at doing good, whatever your hands find to do and whatever assignments God gives you and do it well to your best of your ability that day and then repeat the process the next day. And you might not see a difference in your marriage right away. You might not see a difference in your uh, evangelism right away. You might not see a difference in your home or in your workplace right away, but over time and it might be 20 years later, you might look back and go, man, putting the work in was worth it. Like it's transformed me, my life, my world, my influence, my light. and So he says every day what people who shine do is they do good work. Now try doing this on your own and it's going to fail. That's why you need to be a follower of Jesus. You don't, if you don't have it in you, you're not going to work it out. So have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you a church person or are you a Christian? Have you been someone who's known about God your whole life, or are you someone that's actually invited Jesus into your life and it's transformed you? Maybe today you're here on your spiritual journey and you're like, I I don't have Jesus. I have the motions. I have the information or I'm I'm hearing about him, but what I need this Christmas season is Jesus. I need to have a personal relationship with God. If you're ready to have a personal relationship with God, I want to invite you to do that right here, right now. Just pause in the moment and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know it, right? It's not hard to convince me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again for me. In other words, the baby story, the John three sixteen thing, that's true. I believe Jesus died and he rose on the cross for me, and I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me my sins, and I want you to come into my life and save me. Today, I'm deciding to become a follower of Jesus. You can do that right now. After the service, Chris and other prayer team members will be available right here. You can come talk to them about it. But don't let the Christmas season pass. If you have any questions about your personal faith in Jesus without accepting Jesus in, then you're going to have it inside of you to work out. And it's going to be amazing. If you have more questions about your faith, you can go to branchlife.church and go to the gospel tab. You can watch it here later today or later this week. And if you've decided to follow Jesus today, if you want to pray for salvation, let us know that you did that by by checking that box on your card if today's the day you decided to follow Jesus. Now the second thing they do is they say thank you and I love you a lot. People who shine for Jesus say thank you and I love you a lot. They say it every day because in Philippians 2 it says do all things without grumbling or disputing and you can't be grateful and complain. Thank you so much for this meal. I love it but the potatoes (laughs) could have been creamier, right? Like. No, no, that's not how we do it. Thank you for being the best mom in the world. But if you could just be a little less, you know, naggy at times. No, thank you for God for the car that you gave me, even though you took it away. It's hard to say, hey, let's be grateful and complain. And so if I don't want to be a complainer, if I don't want to be Scrooge, if I don't want to be the Grinch, right? Like those guys were not happy at all, they were just always upset. You know what, in both of those stories, the Scrooge and the Grinch, you know that their neighborhoods, Whoville, didn't change? Scrooge's neighbors, Tiny Tim, didn't become different and nicer all of a sudden. You know who changed? They changed, right? They changed. They decided to become more grateful. They decided to move from being complainers to to, uh, people who said, thank you. They went from being uh, divisive, argumentative, and selfish to being people that loved others and you can get so cranky so quick and start complaining so easily, right, amen? That's not what Christians who shine do. That's not what we do. We say thank you, God, no matter what. We say I love you to my family, my friends, and my neighbors. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if these were your regular vocabulary, these are the words that you speak, to shine. The next thing that they do is they read and they heed the Bible. Philippians 2.16 says they hold fast, hold fast to the word of life. They love God's word. They love to read it. They love to get into it. Today, it's getting harder and harder to find people that cherish time with God's word. Because there's so much time to spend on the internet. There's so much time to spend on social media. There's so much time to spend watching the game. There's so many things that are vying for our attention. If the Olympics are over, the World Cup's going to start. When the World Cup starts, there's going to be the Villies the are in the World Series. And when that happens, then the Eagles are going to make a run for it, right? And maybe the Sixers will decide to do something, right? Like, I'm, I'm all in. And so I get so busy with this stuff that I just, I can't, I can't read it, so I can't heed it. But you need it. So don't don't set this aside. Christians who shine, read and heed the Bible. They love it. Love to open it for five or ten minutes in the morning. Love to have a cup of coffee and look at it. Love to sit down with a friend and go over a verse that's been encouraging to them. Love to talk about it together when they're working out. Like that's just that is just a part of the pattern and rhythm of every person who shines. You need God's word. And you need to follow it. If it says don't, don't. And if it says do, do, right? and you go for it. The more you read the Bible, the more you'll be like its author. You know what I heard? The WWJD bracelets are making a comeback. Everything that's old is new again. (laughs) Like I remember the day and I remember nobody wore them and all of a sudden my kids are like, I want a bracelet with WWJD. I'm like, really? Do you want a Live Strong bracelet too? Because I know those used to be a thing and they're coming back and you can buy them on Amazon packs of forty for like 17 bucks and there's all kinds of different kinds and flavors out there and the people want to know I want to live like Jesus well, how do I do that well when you read the Bible you become more like it's authors and you can do what Jesus says Billy Graham said this the very practice of reading the Bible will have a purifying effect upon your mind and your heart are you having a bad day is it hurt right now do you want a little bit more purity are you struggling with temptation the very act of reading the Bible will purify your mind and your heart. There's power in the Word of God. And there is something to be said about taking a couple of minutes and just refreshing your heart with it. So let nothing take the place of this daily exercise. Work it out. Work it out. The next thing they do every day is they gladly sacrifice themselves. They gladly give of themselves, even when or if it hurts. They sacrifice in Philippians 2.17, it says, I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the as a, as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad. Even if I'm being poured out, this is Paul, shipwreck Paul, in jail, Paul. I'm gonna work hard to start new churches. I I've We together have started one church, Branch Life Church. We started in 2018 and it's not easy, right? And all of a sudden, Paul's starting church after church after church after church after church. Like he's just pouring himself out. He's going all in. He's running full steam ahead and he is not letting off. He is like that drink offering that's being poured over the sacrifice. And when he's pouring himself out, he realizes this suffering hurts, this pain hurts. This amount of movement is hard, but yet I'm going for it. I'm glad to do it because if God can take my being poured out for him and for his glory, I offer it to God. No matter what you go through as a Christian. When you choose gladness in suffering, when you choose to gladly sacrifice, when you choose radical generosity, whether you're going through a divorce, whether you're going through a disease, whether you're going through distress, whether you're going through being stranded, whatever it might be, and you say, God, I know this is hard, I know this is trouble, but you've got this, I'm choosing to be glad, you will shine you will shine and we choose gladness in sacrifice so never 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 stop giving no matter what no matter what and I hear a lot of people say Josh I'm going through a hard time right now I need to take a break Josh I'm going I'm going through a difficulty so I'm just going to step away I'm going to step away from worship I'm going to step away from my group I'm going to step away from the church I'm going to step away from the service project and, and what happens when we step away, now I'm not saying you don't need periods of recovery, I'm not saying you don't need periods of less assignments, we all do, but when we totally withdraw and we draw inward and we shut out people instead of connecting, with, when we stop serving and looking towards others, our problems, which are genuine and real, our problems become the only thing that we see. And we start focusing on that problem. But as soon as you say, No, wait, I'm gonna give here, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna worship there, I'm gonna be a part of my group, then my problem is not all consuming. My problem is now shared, my problem is now less, and I can see that I have an opportunity to be glad even in this moment. So instead of withdrawing, try to work on giving even when it hurt. We broke down in Pittsburgh I mentioned this to you and when we broke down a, a nice mechanic said he I can't look at your car for a week but you can sit in my shop and so great we were in sitting in the shop and I we had walked in the woods because our car broke down and we were it's a long story and so we came in and there was just mud all over the carpet and I felt bad because it was our mud and he wasn't charging us anything but I just we, I just couldn't leave the mud and so Opened the employee closet and grabbed the vacuum and we started vacuuming the kids kind of got into it. We straightened up his whole front room and he came back in and he goes, oh, wow, uh, thanks. And I said, I'm sorry, we made a mess. We tried to clean up. He goes, that wasn't your mess. That was just weeks of stuff happening in here, but awesome, like this is fantastic. And you know, I could have sat and stewed and been mad and I do not know what to do, but here I am in this spot, what can we do? Let's just serve this guy. Let's just let's just love on him for ten minutes, and that made a difference. You know what happened a half hour later, uh, sir? We're stuck, and I don't know how to get to the hotel. He goes, "I'll give you a ride to hotel." That's great. And all of a sudden, now he's helping meet our problem. God, God put us all in the different place. So He packs all of us into a car that He just fixed, and He took us up to the hotel. And he dropped us off for the night. Gladly sacrifice, no matter where you're at. So you're feeling overwhelmed? It's a hard season. It's a hard holiday. Hey, give give to someone, no matter what. Lastly, they celebrate together. This is so fun, man. This is is what we get to do as Christians, and you don't have to wait till Sunday to celebrate, although Sunday is a great celebration. You don't have to wait till Christmas to celebrate Jesus, although Christmas is a great celebration. You actually get to do it today, every day. He says, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me, with us. Together, we rejoice. So families, get together around the dinner table and rejoice. Rejoice about your day. Rejoice about what God has accomplished in his day. Rejoice that you have tomorrow. Like, just talk about what you can celebrate together. When you're with your friends having coffee, rejoice over the good things in life. Rejoice when you get the big buck, right? Rejoice when the the team wins. Rejoice when you get to share Jesus with someone else. Rejoice when God gives you a verse or gives you a word. Rejoice and celebrate God together. Family worship celebrates what God did that day. Corporate worship celebrates what God did that week. Christmas worship celebrates what God did that year, right? So we just do this well. Christians of all people should be the best at partying. So let me leave you with this encouragement. This Christmas season, will you shine your light on Jesus? Will you shine your light on Jesus? Isaiah 60 verse 1, the prophecy said this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to encourage you real practically to help us shine our light on Christmas Eve. So who can you invite? Who can you encourage this Christmas season by handing out those cards and bring them to one of those four services and maybe this could be a way that you give is by serving at one of these four or all four of these Christmas Eve events. This is just one of many examples that God can use in your life as you stand and shine. I pray for you today that God will use your light in a unique and a powerful way this December. Will you pray that with me? God and Heavenly Father, as we sit here tonight, at this morning, thinking about your greatness and our purpose in shining our light on you, God, would you show us how to shine? Give us the small things to do every day, the words that we say and I love you and, I, and thank you. God, in being grateful even when life hurts and celebrating together the victories of life and the the joys of each day, God, will you then take those daily practices and give us great opportunity to shine our light on you, every light in a unique way pointing to Jesus. God, we thank you for giving us purpose and movement and light to shine. Help us this season. God, to make it the best December yet. In your precious name we pray, amen. Hey, I hope that that was an encouragement to you. And again, I'm glad that you've joined us today. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we hope that this has been an encouragement to you. And if you heard something that lifted your spirits, hey, take a moment to share it with your friends online. Again, we'd love to hear from you. So go to branchlife.church and fill out that connection card. Let us know that you worshiped with us and let us know how we can pray for you. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. And till then, God bless and have a great rest of your week.